my dear brothers and sisters, good evening. That is all. Good evening. I don't know whether you heard the story of the minister's wife shown in a, in a cartoon in bed with her husband. And she says, darling, I can't sleep. Please preach me one of your sermons. Please, please forgive us for arriving late. Thank you very, very much for your wonderful, wonderful welcome. And I know that many of you waited for a very long time and do forgive us. I come, first of all, really to say thank you. Thank you to all of you for your wonderful love, for your caring and for your support. I am already sounding like a record that is cracked with the needle stuck. And also I know that I use words that are utterly inadequate in expressing this thanks. But do know that it is shot through and through with feeling that is ineffable. And in this one instance, I know, without fear of any contradiction, that I do speak on behalf of millions when I say, I come expressing their thanks for your prayers, for your love, for your upholding of them. In the book of the prophet Zechariah, there is a portion there where Yahweh says to the prophet, speaking about the restored Jerusalem, he says that it will be so populous that it will not have conventional walls. And Yahweh God says, I will be like a wall of fire surrounding Jerusalem. And those of us who are in situations of, un of injustice and oppression, perhaps more than those who are not in such situations, know just what it means to be upheld by the love and the prayers of their sisters and brothers scattered round the earth. You remember when Peter asked Jesus, what will happen to us who have followed you and left all? And Jesus saying, you will have sisters and brothers 
more than you can number. And it sounded like the extravagant promise of a young man with a somewhat dubious pedigree. You and I know what it means, this exhilarating thing, to belong to the church of God and to know that you have sisters and brothers spread over the face of the earth, most of whom you will never set sight on this side of death. And so we have known what it means to be surrounded by this wall of fire, this love and this caring and this concern. I remember when I was still General Secretary of the Southern Council of Churches, and we're feeling a little sorry for ourselves because of harassment from the South African government which was seeking to discredit us. And we're feeling so low, someone says, we could crawl under a snake. <laughs> and we got a letter. From someone I didn't know from a bar of soap. Now, you and I know that in God's universe, there are no God-forsaken places. But you see, when you are in Johannesburg and you receive a letter from Alaska, <laughs> I tell you, and this Lutheran pastor says, Bishop Tutu, in this letter, I just want you to know that we pray for you here in this parish in Alaska. And he includes the bulletin of his parish. And there we have the names of the staff of the South African Council of Churches. We are being prayed for by name in Alaska. Of which other human organization could a similar story be easily told? And then on one occasion, I met up with an anchorite. And she told me that her day began at two in the morning. And she prayed for me. Huh. I am prayed for by name at two in the morning in the woods in California. What chance does the South African government stand? <laughs> and so I come saying, Thank you. Nothing that happens to a Christian can ever be of only individual or personal significance. You know, we belong to a body. And therefore, everything about us ultimately is corporate. Which means that when you fail, you know whom to blame. All those people who didn't pray for you. And 
if you do succeed, you know that you cannot take the credit for yourself. And so, you, you might recall that lovely, lovely story in the first book of Kings, where Elijah has this contest with the prophets of Baal. He has said to the people, you are going to have to choose who is the real McCoy God, Baal or Yahweh. And so he says, let us have this contest. You, 450 prophets of Baal, have your own beast that you are going to prepare for sacrifice and do everything to get it ready, but don't light, set light, alight the wood. And I will do likewise. And then we will each call on our God, and the God who answers with fire, let him be the God. And so the prophets of Baal begin. They prepare the ox, and then they start shouting. And they really get into frenzies. They start in the morning. At midday, nothing has happened. And Elijah is having the time of his life, um, as it were, looking on. And, and he's taunting them. He says, shout louder. Maybe he's deaf. Or maybe he has gone on holiday. Or he's asleep. Or, although the Bible puts it very elegantly, uh, in fact, he says, uh, maybe he's gone to the loo. <laughs> Isn't it marvelous? We have a God who is always available. He doesn't take a holiday. I once saw a book of cartoons called My God. And one of them showed God saying, I wish sometimes I could say, don't call me, I'll call you. <laughs> Our God is not like that. There are no crossed lines. For each one of us, God pays all the attention as if we were the only person around. Isn't that remarkable? That he knows each one of us by our name. He doesn't know us en masse. You are you, utterly unique, created because God loved you. Out of the overflowingness of his love, he created you. He created me. You remember that lovely piece in the book of the prophet Jeremiah. He is trying to reassure Jeremiah who is retiring, sensitive, scared of being a prophet. And God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Hey, Jeremiah, you are not an accident. 
You're not a divine afterthought. I, I knew you from all eternity and you are part of my divine plan and no one but you can fulfill the part that I have set aside for you. You are unique. God was saying to Jeremiah, what he says to us in Ephesians, that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That sometimes we may look like accidents, but none of us is an accident. That we are, in, we are those incredible things. The finite made for the infinite. You know the meaning of unique? Well, the other day I had a birthday and my wife gave me a birthday card, which is the very least that you can expect from your wife. <laughs> and it showed a, a Darby and Joan couple on the outside and it said, we have a beautiful and unique relationship. And then when you turn inside, it says, I am beautiful and you are certainly unique. that you are something that is precious. When God created us, he blew into us the breath of life so that forever afterwards, each one of us became a God carrier. Each one of us had to be treated with deep reverence. Each one of us was fragile, God carrying us in the palms of his hands. Each one of us created in the image of God. Each one of us, God's viceroy, God's partner. And so the evil of the system at home is not so much the pain and the anguish that it causes, great as these must be, as, as they indeed are. The awful thing about apartheid, the most blasphemous thing about it is when it makes a child of God doubt that they are a child of God. And so the most subversive thing about our faith is that it can say to someone who has their dignity rubbed in the dust and is trampled underfoot, hey, you know something? Mama, that old lady walking down the dusty streets of Soweto, whose name is not known by her employers because they say her real name is too difficult and so they will call her Annie. Mama, as you walk down the street, 
and they ask, who, who is that? You say, oh, that's God's partner. That is subversive of injustice and oppression. And the scriptures say to us, we have a God. A God who is forever a God who takes sides. He scandalizes people because there he was choosing to be on the side of that rebel of slaves to lead them out of bondage into the promised land of his kingdom. And he is forever the same yesterday, today, and forever. A God who chooses to be on the side of the oppressed, of the hungry, of the homeless, of the despised ones. He scandalizes always. And he says, for his church, you have to be where I will be. You want to know where I am? When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was imprisoned, you came to see me. And when they say, Lord, when did, when did we see you and did, did these things to you? Yes. Inasmuch as he did it to the least of these, my brethren and my sisters, you are not doing it just to them. They were me. I, the divine incognito, who is always a hidden God and is seen only in the most unprepossessing, unlikely places. That is where you have the theophany of God. And so we are able to say to the perpetrators of injustice and oppression anywhere and everywhere in the world, you have already lost. <laughs> you, have lo you have lost. You have lost. You have lost. How can you take on God? Our God in the life and death and resurrection of his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, says it is quite impossible for evil to prevail forever over good. Oh, no, no, no. He doesn't say that. He says goodness will prevail. Uh -uh. Goodness has prevailed over evil. Light has prevailed over darkness. Life has prevailed over death. Laughter and joy and peace and compassion and caring. Hey. These have prevailed over their horrible counterparts. And God says, you, and you, and you, and you, 
You are my partners. Will you help me? Will you help me so that we can transfigure the ugliness of this world? It's hostilities. It's alienation. It's harshness. It's graspingness. It's selfishnesses. It's pain. It's anguish. Will you please help me? Let us transfigure it. Let us transform it. Will you help me? So that my children, black and white, even in South Africa, will be able to say, hey, we have been to the mountaintop and we have seen the promised land. Make them exult together. Yes, God has given us something new. A new South Africa. A free South Africa. A non-racial, a democratic, a just South Africa. So that all of us, black and white, will be able to say, free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. Free at last. God says, will you help me? Will you? Will you help me? So that we can have more compassion, more caring, more justice, more peace, more laughter, more togetherness, more fellowship, more holding to one another, black and white, and know that we can survive only together. That there cannot be any true freedom for anyone until all are free. And then, and then, you will help me, won't you? So that the kingdoms of this world will become as the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Amen.